Well, good morning, Faith family. How's everybody doing? You may be seated. You're already seated. Great. Ugh, you guys move so fast. Um, well, we are honored to once again have Pastor Dave Ruff here uh, to share uh, a great message with us. I love this one uh, so much. Not that he's done it before, but for some of his notes, I know what book he's talking about, and, and I've read it, and it's wonderful. Um, so... Um, Yes, welcome. Um, also, big news, uh, Dave had another grandbaby on Sunday, right? Yeah, so his daughter Molly uh, had a baby, and they were both doing really well. So, um, so that's great. Uh, let's see, for other announcements, um, you'll see some on the back of your bulletin. Uh, we once again want to thank the Chandlers for their uh, large donation to the uh, Faith Foundation. Uh, that was great. If you need any info on that, uh, you can check it out here. You talk to Jana, talk to me. Uh, we will be happy to help you uh, with that. If you'll notice, um, it says that the men and women's Bible studies will be this week. However, Pastor Greg got the flu shot on Tuesday and then got the flu on Thursday. Um, so he is really good at picking stuff up, you know, mentally and then obviously the... So anyway, um, he, uh, he just decided, hey, uh, let me... Let me take the week to recuperate, and uh, um, and that's great. Um, see, my pun was, David, that he picks up things mentally because he's smart. He's, okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, thank you. Awesome. I'll be here all week because I have to be. Um, so there won't be any Bible studies, uh, the, no men's Bible study on Tuesday, and the women's Bible study that was supposed to start on Thursday will start next week on Thursday. So you can show up. There just won't be any study that day. Um, we can hang out. I don't know. So um, let's see what else. I believe that's it other than Wednesday night. Also, Pastor Greg won't be doing our Wednesday night devotional. Um, unfortunately, you get me because he's sick. So uh, I'll, I'll be leading that on Wednesday. Uh, don't expect it to be as educational. Just a fair warning. So let's, uh, got a lot of prayer requests and things like that, but let's go to the Lord our God in prayer this morning. Well, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for our church, uh, that we live in a nation where we can shout your name at the top of our lungs, where we can praise you and worship you freely without fear of persecution. We thank you for that, Lord. Help us to use that voice that we have and to not take it for granted, to share you with all that we meet through our words, through our actions. God, we lift up Pastor Greg as he is ill right now and recovering. And uh, we hope that he can recover soon and uh, get back up here because we, we know how much he doesn't like it when he, uh, he's just not feeling well. And no one really does. But of course, the flu is just terrible and it takes so much out of you. So we, we pray for a speedy recovery. Uh, we thank you for Dave and um, the awesome things that he has taught uh, during his time here. We are so thankful for our relationship with the Lord and His ministry and all the, the awesome things that you've done through me. Thank you for the blessing of His new granddaughter. And God, there are so many other things that are unspoken. So many people that are struggling during this time of COVID-19. But Lord, during all of that, help us to remember the most important thing that we do every day is spending time with you every day, day the 
living in your word and being refreshed by your word. It is living and active, God. Help us to remember that as we read your words. We are actually reading the words that you breathed out for us. Lord, we pray that this virus could end soon. Everything that's going around around the world right now, we could somehow start developing pathways to peace. There's so much unrest, not in our country alone, but all over the world. But we know that you, you are fighting for the racial injustice. It's still such a big issue in our world today. Lord, help us to know what to do. Help us to know what to say and how to be active to fight the injustices that we see. Lord, it's in your precious and very holy sense. We pray this and so much more.
doing today beautiful day today isn't it just fantastic um well thanks for having me back uh it's really a joy to be with you and be able to share a few things and so uh, again thanks for the privilege and the honor of being able to speak at the service um if you haven't been uh, with us the past couple of weeks i'm dave ruff i i uh, was at hope Presbyterian Church for around 15, 14 years and retired over a little uh, about a year ago and I've been coming to faith uh, much of that this past year and now last Sunday like John mentioned um, uh, while I was preaching my daughter was in labor she was at the hospital and so uh, but she had the baby at 445 on Sunday which I was glad for that and she had a healthy baby girl her name is Lucy Elizabeth and uh, so now I have five granddaughters, all under four years and under. So Christmas will be kind of interesting. It'll be fun. Uh, now, you, if you think that's bad, my my brother, uh, my brother-in-law had six daughters, and then with my two daughters, and Molly and Amy, and then we had John. So John had eight little girls to grow up with. I am glad to say that he is 32 years old. He is married, and uh, he makes for a really good husband. Uh, he got a lot of training by all of his life. So, um, But anyway, we're absolutely thrilled with our, our uh, new addition. You know, right now I am reading a Christian book. I, I do a lot of reading, but uh, reading a Christian book, and like so many of the Christian books I've read, it takes... So long. I mean, they're di with diagnosing, analyzing, describing, scrutinizing the problem. And it takes forever to finally get to the answer or the solution. I mean, uh, so many of these books that I've read, they're, they're long on description, but way too short on prescription. So this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the big idea right off the bat, you know, kind of in rebellion against these books. But, uh, and by the way, like John said, I uh, got a lot of this material from a great, great book called Principle of the Path. I recommend it. It's by Andy Stanley. Okay, here's, here is the big idea. Our decisions will determine our direction, and our direction will determine our destination. Our decisions will determine our direction, and our direction will determine our destination. Pretty profound, huh? Uh, but it's really, really true. Uh, direction, not intention, will determine our destination. We will always, always end up where the road we've chosen takes us. Uh, how many have gotten lost before? Probably all of us have gotten lost. I've had my f fair share. Um, but, uh, you know, we, it's not like we intended to get lost. It's not like we woke up that morning and said, gee, this would be a great day to get lost, you know? But what happened? What happened? How did you get lost? Well, we chose the wrong road, right? We 
just chose the wrong road. We chose the wrong path and we went the wrong direction. And guess what? It took us to the wrong destination, right? Pretty simple. You see, our decisions will determine our direction. Our direction will determine our destination. In other words, again, we will always end up where the road we've chosen takes us. Uh, years ago, we, uh, we were uh, traveling in the Ozarks. We were going to a, like a staff retreat or something like that. And uh, it was in the Ozarks. And if you've ever been in the Ozarks, it's rather confusing. So they, they named all of their roads uh, by the alphabet. You know? So you have Road A, Road B, Highway C. Uh, so if that wasn't confusing enough, once they ran out of the alphabet, they started naming the roads AA, BB, XX, you know. But that, was, that wasn't even enough. They ran out of the alphabet there. And so you have highways that go HHH uh, or Highway YYY. So I think you all have probably know what I'm talking about. And so it's a, it's a kind of a confusing place. So we're, we're on this, we're trying to get to the staff retreat. It's, it's late at night and um, a, a really beloved uh, person was driving. His, we called him Uncle Deke. His real name was Dick Lane and he was just a wonderful, wonderful man. Loved him, one of my favorite people ever because of his love for God and his love for teens and impacted many, many teens. But navigation was not one of his strong suits. And so we just got lost as a goose uh, that night. Finally, one of the guys said, I've got a great idea. Let's, let's stop, get out of map. Get out a map, right? I'm looking around. I think most of us know what a map looks like. This is before GPS, long before GPS. And, um, and so we, we go, okay, we think we need to get on this road. So we get on this road and, you know, we go one mile, we go two miles, go three miles, and it's, it's looking desolate, looking bad. Turns into a dirt road. And before we know it, we come to a dead end. We are literally in the middle of a field. I mean, no kidding, we, we were just lost as could be. And so it's true, direction, not intention, determines your destination. We will always, always end up on the road we've chosen that, where it takes us. Now, it's amazing to me uh, that so many people, I mean smart people, educated people, people best in their field kind of people who don't connect the dots between the choices they make and the outcomes they experience between the choices they make and the outcomes they experience. You see, uh, the direction we're currently uh, going, whether it's relationally, spiritually, financially, uh, vocationally, socially, will determine where we end up. And regardless of your goals, regardless of your hopes, regardless of your dreams or intentions, your desires of what you envision for your life, uh, and we will see that we see this every, every day. I cut out this article as an example, this was some years ago, um, out of the commercial appeal, and it's about a guy named Chuck Roberts, who was convicted of bank fraud. And uh, when Roberts had done what he'd done, he had submitted 17 documents to an area bank and got a sum total of $489,000 for a loan in order to build a subdivision in South Haven. But it was never built. It was never built. And the reason this article caught my attention was because of some of the things that Robert said about himself and some of the other people said 
about him. For example, Robert said this about himself. He says, he says, my criminal act caused harm to a lot of people. And this is not who I am. I'm not that way. I was, raised, I was not raised that way or have lived my life that way. Then a little later in the article, uh, his attorney says this about Roberts. He says okay, that even though his client made a bad decision, his actions of falsifying documents and lying to the bank were an, an anomaly to his character as a family man, as a community leader, as a hard worker in DeSoto County. Chucky said, is not perfect, but he got in over his head in business and he panicked when the real estate market didn't rebound and so he could not repay the bank loan. See, I don't think Roberts intended to become a criminal. I think one thing led to another and it just sort of incrementally happened with each bad decision, which set him in a direction and landed him in a destination that he never in his wildest dreams intended to get there. But here's my point. This kind of thing happens all the time. Happens all the time. You see, every decision sets us in a direction, and that direction, that path, will always, always determine our destination. And so we need to connect the dots. We need to connect the dots between the choices we make and the outcomes we want to experience. Now, um, most people think they need a solution. They need a solution to a problem. But the real problem is that it's not the, it, they're on the wrong path. They're on, going in the wrong direction. For example, uh, let's say a couple finds themselves in a massive amount of debt and they think the solution is to uh, consolidate all of their debt into one big debt and that'll be their way out. That's their solution. Uh, but the problem isn't there. It isn't, that's not the, the solution. The problem has to do with their direction and the path of the spending that they're on. And not until they change their direction will they be able to change their destination. They haven't connected the dots between their spending habits and the destination, the financial destination they, they hope for. Okay, now let me give you uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And this is, I used to have this thing called discipleship hour with my kids every Sunday night. And I would bribe them to it with popcorn or candy or suckers or whatever I could figure out. And I would bribe them to come to discipleship hour and we'd, I would teach on some kind of biblical truth or doctrine or something like that and make it very simple. And, um, but the, I did have scripture memory as part of this discipleship hour. And I didn't want them to, to, to memorize a whole plethora of scripture, but I wanted them to have one scripture that they anchored their life to, and it was this scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And I bet probably all of you know this, this verse as well. Um, trust, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways... Acknowledge him, and he will make your what straight? Your path straight. That's the one scripture I wanted them to hook their lives to, if there was anyone. But that's our word, path, 
our direction. He will make our direction straight. Um, so Solomon, the wisest man that has ever lived, uh, says that when we view things, when our, the way we view things conflicts with the way God views things, we are to lean in his direction rather than our own. So that choosing the best path, the best direction, begins with submission, not information. It's kind of counterintuitive. We tend to think that a good decision depends on the right kind of information or the right kind of advice or the most logical option or the most practical idea. But this is not what King Solomon is saying in this verse. He's in fact saying the reverse. He's saying, don't lean on your own understanding, your own logic, your own experience, your own cleverness or ability to figure things out. Listen, divine direction begins with submission, not information. Now, um, one of the most, I think, fascinating uh, Bible stories that depicts this is when David, before he becomes king of Israel, is fleeing from King Saul. Remember, uh, of course, King Saul, not to be confused with King Solomon, who was David's son, but Saul was trying to kill David and his men and God put David into a position where he had the perfect opportunity to kill King Saul. Let me describe this as briefly as I can. Okay, after David killed Goliath, uh, I mean, David became bigger than life. He became a, a, a folk hero. He became uh, a, a cult following kind of person, a rock star. And uh, David became more popular than Saul. And so Saul gets insanely je jealous and even tries to kill David. Well, finally, David gathers an army of men, flees to the desert of Engedi in 1 Samuel chapter 24. Now, Engedi is this very large area, and it's really treacherous, a very rocky, very mountainous, and just full of, of caves. In fact, I was there um, just last fall, went to Israel. And uh, it's true. I mean, that's the area. It's just desolate and rocky and mountainous, treacherous, uh, and, and all these caves are all around. And so Saul's army is in this region looking for David and his army in order to kill him. Okay, and in verse 3, something very, very interesting happens. Saul has to go to the bathroom. I, I, this is in the Bible. Saul has to go to the bathroom. He has to, to relieve him, himself, and so he goes into one of the hundreds of caves in this region, and it so happens that the one cave he chooses to go into is the very same cave that David and his men are hid back in the cave to. And so, uh, now Saul's totally oblivious uh, to all this, and so he goes into the cave, takes off all of his gears, gets in the most vulnerable Position possible, okay. You know what I mean. Meanwhile, in the deep recesses of the cave, David and his men were watching this all unfold, and they're going, this is unbelievable. That, man, David, men said to David, behold, verse 4, this is the day in which the Lord has said to you, behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hands, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Come on, David. This is a perfect opportunity. And so they said, this is it. This thing is so perfectly aligned. Moon, stars, everything's in perfect alignment for you to become king. And all you have to do is kill Saul. The perfect opportunity. Only one man has to die and suddenly David would become king of Israel. 
this was made to order. And so David's men, there was no decision. It was obvious. Just one quick swipe of the sword and boom, it's done. And it appears that David buys into it. So David gets a dagger in his hand and he's crawling closer and closer to Saul. And Saul's unaware of what's going on. And uh, it seems like it's the ob logical thing to do. But suddenly David's creeping along and he starts thinking, this isn't feeling right. Something about this doesn't line up. Isn't, this is still murder. Isn't like murder one of the top 10 bad things God tells us not to do. Yeah, it's the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. And so David's getting closer and closer to Saul, and he's just going, this, this just does not feel right. And then it, secondly, it dawns on him, hey, and who put King Saul in place? It was Samuel who anointed him as king. God put Saul as king. And so David's thinking, so who am I? Uh, to replace what God has put in place. And so now David's thinking, this just doesn't seem like the way God does things. Um, have you ever felt that way, where you get that feeling, this just doesn't feel right? And so um, David's moving along, he's creeping along, and there's this disconnect between who God is and the way this thing is being played out. And... Um, David's thinking, is this, does he really want me to violate the sixth commandment to become king? And somewhere in between the conversation David had with his men and the edge of Saul's robe, David realizes that that's the wrong thing to do. Trust in, your, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And so David, instead of killing Saul, he cuts off a piece of Saul's robe uh, without him knowing it. Now, I don't, don't ask me how he did that. Now, I, I, maybe, maybe Saul was just really focused on his business. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he just had a really, really long robe. But I don't know how it happened. But he cut off a piece of uh, King Saul's uh, robe. And then when... Saul finishes and gets up, gets his gear back on, goes down and joins his uh, army in the valley. David comes before the mouth of the cave, holds up the piece of robe to prove his innocence to King Saul and to the in, in entire army. And so David chose the right path, the right direction that God wanted him, David, to take in order for him to become the greatest king, the greatest king that ever reigned in Israel and even to this day. See, we, we often think that the way to make a good decision is through good information. We think the way to make a good decision is by adding up all the pros and cons. Have you ever done pros and cons? By making the most logical and practical decision. Now, I'm not saying that, that that's a bad thing to do, you know, to, to do all the due diligence with looking at the pros and cons and looking at the information. But those things shouldn't be driving the car. Those things shouldn't be driving the car. Proverbs says, do not lean on your own understanding. So what I'm saying is that we take our best information we can get, and then we put it in our back pocket. We acknowledge the Lord so that submission, not information, is what is the final determiner of our decisions. And we ask, what direction will this decision set me in? What path will this put me on? What will be my destination if I keep going in this direction? Very practical question.
Well, let me close with a personal story and then an application question. But the story is about a guy named Greg. Uh, Greg is a good friend of mine. In fact, I, I spoke with him uh, just the other week. Uh, he still lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, but um, we've become pretty good friends over the, over the years. But when I first met Greg, uh, he and his fiancée, Diane, came to me for premarital counseling. They were a middle-aged couple. Uh, they had previous marriages, and so they wanted to do it the right way. And so that's why they came to a church and why they came to a pastor. And it didn't take long for me to figure out that they were, li they were living together. And I definitely wanted to talk to them about that. And I, I explained to them all the reasons why biblically, morally, emotionally, psychologically, why living together was a bad decision that would set them in a bad direction. They wouldn't have it. They countered with their own set of reasons of why they thought living together was, in fact, the best thing for them. For example, they cited financial reasons. Oh, we're, we saved so much more money by living together. And then they talked about how it helped them really get to know each other better, their personal habits, their personal preferences better. And, you know, they kind of went on about that and how that helped them make a good decision about marriage. And then uh, lastly, they even talked about how it was such a big help with Greg getting to know Diane's 15-year-old son and how much he needed a father figure. And so that was a really good thing too. So no matter how much I tried to explain that the sexual part of the relationship, it was a false glue. It was a smokescreen. It, it was an illusion, uh, giving them an illusion of closeness and oneness that really wasn't there. That it, it just was an illusion of closeness. But they wouldn't buy it. They would not buy it. Well, it turned out uh, in the course of their premarital counseling, I actually led Greg to Christ. He, he, wasn't, he hadn't been a Christian, and so I led him to Christ and started meeting with him one-on-one -on -one in order to disciple him and, and um, help him get a good start on his newfound faith. Well, they, they nevertheless got married. Uh, I, I did not do the wedding. I didn't perform the wedding, but I did attend the wedding and I continued to meet with Greg one-on-one -on -one for discipleship purposes. About a year into the marriage, it started to unravel. Then after about a year and a half, they were headed for divorce. And then by year two, it was over with a lot of heartache, a lot of emotional pain, and it was not an amicable uh, ending at all. But I guarantee you this, uh, Greg and Diane did not get married with the intention of getting a divorce. You see, it's our direction, not our intentions, that determine our destination. Now, I, uh, let me uh, give you an application question here. I think one of the best things you could do in application of this message is to think about some decisions you're making or directions you're you're going in uh, with the things that concern you. Maybe it has to do with a relationship. Maybe it has to do with your marriage. Maybe it has to do with finances or maybe a personal habit. Maybe it has to do with hanging around with the wrong crowd or going to places that simply aren't helpful for your walk with God. Or maybe it's even simply a, a pattern of thinking that you frequently dwell on. But make a list of things that you're doing and ask this one question. If I continue down this path, 
if I continue in this direction, where will it eventually take me? What will my destination most likely be? Let me repeat it. If I continue down this path, if I continue in this direction, what will probably my destination end up being? Now, believe me, I know that this is a really almost overly simplistic set of ideas. But don't dismiss this for its simplicity or as something that is not really new to you. Because I find these principles of making decisions absolutely profound, incredibly practical, and always, almost always relevant for my own daily life and decisions. And so I truly believe that you can sincerely apply these principles to your daily life. They will help you live the life you've always wanted, become the kind of Christian you've always hoped for, and will help you get to the destinations you've always dreamed of. I really do. Now, let me end with Jesus, okay? <laughs> Wouldn't be a right message if I didn't end with Christ. But lastly, I love the verse in Luke 9, 51 and Isaiah 50, verse 7, that says that Jesus set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. Jesus set his face relentlessly like a flint towards Jerusalem because he knew that his direction would determine his destination. His direction would determine his destination. And of course, that destination was the cross where he would accomplish our redemption through his shed blood on the cross. And so he set his face, he set his direction, he set his path steadfastly, resolutely towards Jerusalem so that he could reach his final destination, the ultimate destination, which was our salvation for all who would believe. He is our ultimate example of how to live our lives. Well, let's pray. And we can. Lord, thank you that you give us wisdom through the Scripture. You give us wisdom, and your Spirit guides us and directs us. So we pray, Lord, that we would be able to connect the dots and be intentional about the daily decisions we make, realizing they set us in a, a direction, and that direction will take us to a destination. And so help us to understand that, apply that to our daily lives, and to keep in our, our pocket that, that wonderful verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, so that we might not lean upon our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge you. And you promise to us, you will make our past right. Well, I thank you for this time and for these past three weeks and for the privilege of being able to speak here at Faith Presbyterian. It's a blessing, and these are great folks. So I just pray for your hand to be upon this church in a way um, that it's never been before. And so I, I, we pray for Pastor Greg. Pray that you would heal him and protect him in this, this time of flu. And I know that's, that's not easy. It must be a little scary. So, Lord, thanks for this, this day and for this time together. In Christ's name, amen. I noticed uh, after the sermon, the offering basket is in the back. back. I don't think we're going to pass it around, but uh, it is there. So if you will stand and receive God's benediction.
Now may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you now and forevermore. God bless you all.